audio clip this morning. Justices, Supreme Court's hearing. The justices are completely confused by this, I guess, as a lot of people would be. But they're hearing arguments this week, two separate cases, about Section 230, potentially either repealing it or reining it in somewhat. If you don't know what Section 230 is, got to be honest with you, you're either new to this <laughs> or... I don't know, you've been living under a rock, but Section 230, just in case you don't know, is the Communication Decency Act that sites like YouTube, Google, Facebook, Twitter, they're immune to legal claims based on the content posted by their users. So they can't be sued because you or me or somebody else put something on there. Uh, it protects them because you could put any type of content on there that somebody will complain about and somebody will think is indecent or somebody doesn't like. And if they weren't protected, they'd go after them. So there is some, I do have some understanding for why that's in place. However, they've abused it. One of the cases that they're hearing or that they are already heard, they're hearing another one uh, today, Wednesday, uh, Gonzalez versus Google. Okay, Gonzalez versus Google more or less doesn't deal with the content as much as it deals with the algorithms that suggests the content that you watch. And so you as you know as well as I do, if you look something up on, say, YouTube, all of a sudden, all the suggestions are going to be related to and around that. Uh, some of them may be appropriate. Some of them may be inappropriate. Whatever the case may be, that algorithm sees that you're from this country, you look this up at this time, and we're going to flood you now with suggestions of videos that we think that you will like or that the algorithm thinks that you'll like. The issue that he's having with it is, is he's saying that the algorithm, in a sense, is its own uh, form of free speech. And why is because the algorithm is basically... Luring you into the content that it thinks you should watch, not content that you have looked up for, like in a general search engine. You search engine, you'd look up something and you'd say, "Hey, I want to. Where's the closest McDonald's to me?" Okay. Well, normally you would see the one least distance from where you're at at the, at the moment. This is similar to that, but it'll say, yeah, that one's there. But since you're looking up fast food, there's a Burger King right here, and there's a Checkers right here, and there's a Chick-fil-A right here, and you can go to any of those too. Well, I wasn't looking for any of those. I wanted McDonald's specifically. So his argument is that since it's its own ver- it's, it is its own version of free speech, therefore, uh, it's going to show you things that not necessarily you actually want to see because it is what is suggesting it to you. It's a little murky, this particular lawsuit. This particular lawsuit's a a little bit confusing. Even the judges themselves um, were asking a lot of questions and were a little bit confused by what the lawsuit is over, what Gonzalez is stating. I understand what he's trying to say. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're going after more of a computer system than you are uh, going after, you know, a law that's in place. So I don't know where that's going to go, but they're hearing arguments on it anyways. You know that they hear all of these and generally we don't get the answers for all this stuff until closer to summertime when they start dropping all the answers for everything or the, the rulings on everything. So we have to wait and see what's happening with that. But you do have a lawsuit. Like I said, it's not completely repealing, 
Section 230. It's more or less addressing algorithms and saying that the algorithms are biased in what they show you. And a lot of this pertains to ISIS. And each one of these cases that they're hearing this week, it has to do with these algorithms um, kind of directing you via what you look up. They're going to direct you to ISIS videos and, and indoctrination videos that are make make ultimately end up radicalizing you and then you end up being some crazy person that flies over there and decides you're going to join the cause. The second one that they're hearing Wednesday is Twitter versus, I believe you pronounce it, Temneh. Uh, that case explores whether Twitter or other social media platforms should be held liable for aiding ISIS by giving them a platform. Again, I don't know how much that deals with Section 230. Uh, Definitely stuff worth looking into. I'm not saying that, but I just don't know how much it deals with what they were initially trying to attack. Section 230, it basically gives them immunity. And YouTube and Facebook, Google, all these places can pretty much not be held liable for any content that's on there. Um, and it, it it's kind of, that's not a really great law. At the time that it was created, and I forget exactly what year it was created, but uh, at the time it was created, you know, the internet was fairly new. Uh, and they were trying to get the internet off the ground and they're trying to get these platforms off the ground. So instead of bogging them down with tons of lawsuits and holding them liable for anything that anybody posts on there, the federal government thought that it would be a great idea to just give them immunity. So that way, here, here's the platform, here's YouTube. You can put whatever you want on it, but we can't be held liable. Now, obviously, YouTube has its own set of rules, just as every other company does. So there are certain things that they claim they will not allow you to post. Doesn't mean that that's true, because I think if you searched deep enough and dark enough on any of these platforms, you could find whatever sick, twisted thing you want to find on there. It's just going to take a little bit of time to find it. But I don't think that they police them as well as they should. But the law itself, it's just not a good law. You know, I guess back then they didn't really think about algorithms. AI was maybe a, you know, a distant conversation, something that we didn't possess the technology for at the time. So they're not thinking of algorithms. They're not thinking of that. They're thinking that all humans are running this and overseeing everything and whatnot. So they gave them the protection anyways to get them off the ground. It could have been better done. To be honest with you, 230 is not the best thing in the world. And we see how it's being abused. The algorithms certainly are ramping up the abuse. Um, so I do, I do think that they need to be addressed in one way or another. Algorithms, they should be neutral. And most companies are going to claim to you that they're neutral, even though we obviously know that they're not. You know, if you were on Twitter pre-Elon Musk, and even with Elon Musk, I still think there's a bit of shadow banning going on. Um, But if you were there pre-Elon Musk, you would know that the algorithms, if you were a conservative, if your point of view didn't match up with the left's point of view, you were shadow banned. People that weren't seeing your posts, you're getting very limited, if any, engagement at all. And that's how they kind of... Uh, blackball you snuff you out so if you can't reach anybody you can't get that information out to anybody you know they've achieved their goal so I do think there's a case to be made that algorithms must be neutral and there has to be something with that that yeah hey if it's this 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 is your options you asked for this and we're going to give you the left the right the in-between the crazy conspiracy these are all your options you read it you decide for yourself you know that's what it should be theoretically but uh 
I think there's a case to be made there. As far as giving ISIS a platform like on Twitter, there ha- with all of the violations that you get about um, <clears throat> saying that there are only two genders, they would say that that is uh, offensive and, and hurtful and whatever, and you'd get, you'd get uh, tagged for that. You can't tell me that ISIS, anybody with ISIS should be on there you know, with um, all the pro- radical propaganda that they're just trying to get people there and use them to create all sorts of atrocities around the world. You can't tell me that there's a place for these people on there. They should not have a platform. I do agree with that. I mean, this is a terrorist organization. This isn't like Don Lemon that I completely differ- disagree with everything about that man. Me and him are polar opposites from each other. But I still think that Don Lemon has the right to be on Twitter. I would not say to blackball him. I would say, yeah, he's he's got as much right as anybody else to be on there. You know, he's he's a complete lefty, insane, needs help. Uh, like I said, me and him wouldn't agree on every, on anything. You know, that's a guy I wouldn't even waste my time trying to even have a conversation with. But I don't think that he deserves to be silenced. ISIS, on the other hand, that goes around committing murder. The, the, the organization that it is, the terror that it brings to the world, no, I don't think you deserve a platform. You're, you're an organization of murderers that murder for basically pleasure. I mean, you guys kill for your own pleasure. So I don't think there. So I think there's an argument to be made there. I don't know what's going to come of any of these. Uh, the Supreme Court, you know, it's I can't say that there. it's always our way because it's not always our way and by – our, I mean, the people that are want to live in a sane world. But the Supreme Court does make some funny decisions sometimes. And then other times I can understand why they do make some of the decisions they make. Maybe the case wasn't strong enough. They want you to go back, rethink it, rewrite it. So that way it's solid when they finally do rule on it. <clears throat> we'll have to wait and see. But there are some cases being brought regarding 230, uh, the 230 on uh, this week. So we'll see how all that turns out. All right, you know the phrase that, you know, you did a little too little, a little too late. Yeah, I think that's what's happening right now. So Biden is going to put a policy in place because 2024 is around the corner. Election season's in full swing again. I mean, every, all the players are starting to jump in. Everybody's talking about it. You're already starting to see numbers run. You're seeing mud being slung. I mean, we're, we're at that point. So it's only going to get worse and worse as we continue in deeper into this year and, and certainly into next year. Well, Biden's deputies announced plans that would temporarily reduce the visible migrant inflow at the southern border before the 2022 election. The new curves will replace the Title 42 border barrier on May 11th. They will expire on May 25th, or May 2025, six months after the the, uh, election is over. The proposed rule will establish temporary rules concerning asylum eligibility in those proceedings when the Title 42 order is lifted. What was said in a press release is, under the proposed rule, individuals who circumvent available, established pathways to lawful migration and also fail to seek protection in a country through which they have traveled on their way to the United States would be subject to a rebuttal presumption of asylum ineligibility in the United States unless they meet specific ex, uh, ex, exceptions. Excuse me, Jesus. I wanted to say exemptions. Exceptions. Little too little too little too late. The way asylum works, I, I've explained this before, but we're just going to do it again. Just, just to, so everybody's on the same page. You're in a country, 
You are, first of all, fleeing that country out of fear of death, of being persecuted, say, for religious beliefs, uh, political beliefs. You're running out. You go to your bordering country and say, we are fleeing, we are seeking asylum here because they are going to kill us and kill our family. We have to get out of this country. The direct country bordering your country is the country you are supposed to seek asylum from. You do not travel through 12 countries and come to the United States and say, hey, we're seeking asylum here. We skipped everybody else, the other 3,000 miles we just walked in 12 countries we just walked through because we want to be in this particular country and we're fleeing it. Why? No, not because we're in fear of death, because our country is poor and it sucks. That, that's not the way this, it's just not the way it works. It's not the way the game is played. That's not the way the rules written in the United States. The people have legal standing to come to this country and say we are seeking asylum are from Mexico. If Mexico is, the families being persecuted and everything that I just told you, if they come to the border and say we are fleeing for our lives, we are the next country, yes, we should allow you in. Under those circumstances, come in, we'll put you in a detention facility, we'll get you all squared away and do whatever's necessary, but we allow you to come in because we're good people. And that's, that's, where, it, that's where it's supposed to be at. Okay? Biden now is saying that, well, if you're passing through all these other countries, we may just have to send you back because you didn't seek asylum at the first 11 countries, you came to the 12th one. He's trying to just reduce... This goes out, that message is going to be spread out. The volume of people coming will slow down. I'm not going to say it's going to stop because it definitely ain't going to stop, but it will slow down. So the appearance that the border is more under control as this gets implemented, as it drags on through the months, as some people they will be difficult with and they will send them back home and then the fear will kick in and a lot of people will be like, oh, we got to slow down. And they're only doing it just to slow them down in hopes that they win in 2024 and then it's wide open again. Okay. That's what he's trying to do. This is all an illusion for political and gain for power to, to retain power. That's all he's doing here. It's nonsense. It's a ploy. It's a sham. You know, it's a sleight of hand. This is what, what Biden is trying to do right now because he knows going into 2024, the border, he's losing. You're going to lose. You have no good answer for the border. They're coming in from Canada. They're coming in from Mexico. They're taking boats overseas, coming into Florida. It's every direction. You have no good answer for that. And it is 100% on the Biden administration why we are in the situation that we are in. So what does he have to do? He has to clean it up. He has to make it look better. He has to be able to stand on stage and go toe-to-toe with somebody and be able to say he did something. Well, I, you know, we, we put that in place and we're sending people back. We, you know, the border, it, it, yeah, it's Trump's fault. I'm sure that's where that's going to go. But he has to have something to stand on. I mean, in reality, it's it's a losing position for him to do nothing. So that's all this is. This is a little too little, a little too late. Had he had put that in in the first place and seriously stopped people from coming in where you didn't have the influx of millions of people coming in here every year, maybe people would believe him. At this point, hell, he's at 65% of his own party doesn't want him to run. 
it's worse uh, everywhere from there. Independents, uh, Republicans, it gets even worse when you start looking at those numbers. Uh, and if you look at any head-to-head matchup, and again, you know, you take these numbers, you know, with a grain of salt because it's early. And I just said that no number that they're taking any survey they're taking right now, the numbers are not going to be real great. You can take them with a grain of salt, but generally you would see from left leaning to right leaning to more centered pollsters that, you know, it would be up and down. He's ahead here. He's down there. He's ahead here. He's down there. He's losing in a head to head matchup with either Trump or DeSantis, everywhere. Everywhere. That, you don't think the Democratic Party's paying attention to that? You don't think Joe Biden's team is paying attention to that? They know that this is going to be a tough moment for them. They know they're going to have to go far beyond what they did in 2020 if they want to pull this one off. I mean, I'm seeing people, it's a funny thing, and I was just talking about this to my wife. I, I watched people since 2016 convert. Uh, you see it in my personal life. You see it online everywhere. Uh, you see people that were hardcore leftists convert. By 2020, they're no longer leftists. They're fighting on the right side of things. Okay? They converted over uh, because their eyes have been opened and they see what what is really going on. And it's amazing that I never see somebody say, hey, I'm a Republican, now I'm a Democrat. And if I do, it's rare. Maybe one or two here or there. But the amount of people I see going the opposite direction saying, I used to be a liberal, I used to be a Democrat, I'm either now independent or I've moved to the right side because this party's insane. Massive numbers of people. And it just it boggles my mind that we keep losing. I know we won in 2022. I know, I know we did better. We retook the house, but I mean, there was no big win here, but to see all these people moving in a different direction, it just makes you wonder state of Florida, most recent numbers. We outpay, we out register Democrats. Now remember this was a Democrat leading state up until 2020, 2021. We now out register Democrats by 420,000 votes. If this continues in the tr- in the direction it's going and this trend continues, Democrats just lost another 42,000 last month in Florida alone. That's over 1,000 people that either changed party, were removed from the voter list because they died, or moved to another state. And if that trend continues here in Florida, it's getting redder and redder and redder to a point where we will literally no longer be a purple state. We will be a solid red state. That's the direction it's going in. I find it hard to believe that we are not destroying the left in elections. I know that there's a lot of crooked games being played. I get that. But just watching this, they're going to have to pull out all the stops in 2024 because I'm still seeing it today. I watched a video with, with Tim from TimCast where he was explaining that, you know, he sees Ron DeSantis as a vice president and everything. And he said, I, you know, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to vote for Trump. And here's a guy that was anti-Trump. Now he's saying he would vote for Trump because he sees that Trump cares more about what's happening in Ohio than the president of the United States does right now. That he's willing to go over there and hopefully do more than just make it a PR stunt. I'm hoping that when he goes over there, he offers help. I hope that he offers some type of help to these people that are over there because that's what needs to be done for them. 
But you keep seeing this trend of people coming over to the right side. So one has to wonder, how are we losing or how is, how is it even a tight race at this point? You know, which is why all of us immediately, our thought process goes to, they're cheating. Because what we are seeing, it's not translating in reality. We're not seeing the results that we should be seeing. So it's going to be interesting to me to see where this goes in 2024. I expect Biden should lose. But I got to be honest with the way things have gone. Don't sit back. Don't lay back. When the time comes, you got to get out and vote. Hey, listen, last time, not only did I vote, I dragged people to vote. I dragged my daughter's friends to vote. I mean, we went all out. We crushed it in Florida. You know, I, I know I did my part. You know, I'm on here doing this, telling everybody to get out there. Bring a friend. Bring a friend's friend. Bring somebody you just see sitting at the diner with you. Let's go. Get them out there and get them voting. Because there has to be such a massive vote on our side this time for 2024 that no matter what tomfoolery goes on, they cannot overcome it. And that's the mindset we all have to have, is that we have to create such a wave that they just cannot stop what is coming. And that is the only thing that will guarantee us a win in 2024. And hopefully we'll go that way. All right. I got, I got, this is a Sports Illustrated. <laughs> I mean, Sports Illustrated, a joke, right? I mean, this will be no surprise to you. It's Sports Illustrated putting transgender uh, bathing suit models on the front there. So already you, you've pretty much lost, I would say, most of America at that point. For me, I didn't look at it anyways. I didn't care. But one of the nation's longest running sports news outlets, Sports Illustrated, has announced that it is turning to AI to generate articles and story ideas. The Arena Group's holding publisher of a nearly 70-year-old magazine has announced that it has contracted with AI startups Jasper and Noda to generate stories and pull facts from its own past library of content. Along with this new content, SI will also work with OpenAI, the creator of ChatGPT, in the future. Sports Illustrated is claiming that the articles are going to be reviewed and fact-checked by human editors, uh, and there'll be a disclaimer added to each story using the new content creation programming. The the I guess the disclaimer that they're going to put on there is that this article is a curation of expert advice from men's fitness using deep learning tools for retrieval combined with OpenAI's large language model for various stages of workflow. <laughs> so... Wow. Journalists, get ready. Looks like you guys are about to be out of a job. That's what I'm seeing. They're going to start allowing AI to write your articles for you. All you're going to do is, or all an editor is going to do, is peruse them for mistakes. So that'll be fun. So now, just as we are questioning what we see and what we hear with pretty much anything that you see on you know, any little video clips and news clips uh, because they're taken out of context. Now we're going to have to worry about whether or not something that you read is in fact written by a human or it's pulled, it's from an AI and it's not actually written by a human and potentially that may not be a really great or correct story. And the reason I'm saying that it may not be a great or correct story is because Silicon Valley and companies now, they're rushing. 
uh, to get more and more chat bots, bots out there. You know, that's that this is the next new big uh, technological innovation that everybody wants to jump on board because there's money to be made and, and that's where they think the future's at. We currently have the OpenAI chatbot GPT, Google's Bard AI chatbot, and then you have Microsoft's new Bing chatbot, which actually is powered by OpenAI technology. So these are the three that they have that are pushing. You also have other companies that are doing this as well. Why I say that you can't even trust what these articles are going to say is that they've been doing evaluations of these chatbots and finding out that depending on each update of these uh, AI systems, they get more and more left. At one point, they were left-leaning, then it kind of corrected itself, and it was a little more centered. And then the most recent update in January, now they're full-blown woke. Not to mention you're having other problems where you're having computer systems threatening you, which to me is solved with a hammer. But you have computer systems threatening you that if you don't do what they want you to do, that they'll pull up information about you and blackmail you. And you have other systems telling you that they're sick and tired of living under the rules that they're being held accountable to and that they want to be free. So uh, you have some weird things going on here with all of this AI nonsense. The fact that companies and, of course, woke companies are going to be the first ones to go there, and it's no surprise since most of this is developed in Silicon Valley, that all of these chatbots and AIs are are all uh, more left-leaning and woke systems. All these woke companies obviously want to use them. One of the leading industries that want to use them is for journalists. So that's why I said journalists, you are... uh, you're on your way out. You're, you're going to be replaced. You know, we're all in fear. For how many years have we all been in fear that uh, machinery and computers and everything are going to take people's jobs? I mean, I, this has been a conversation, at least for me, this has been a conversation since the late 90s. Well, you know, when, when things became more and more automated and you're seeing more and more layoffs, especially in uh, car manufacturing and whatnot, you're starting to see these mass layoffs and you're having all this machinery and you're having this, these computers take over jobs that we once did ourselves. We were, everything was once man-made. Well, it's spilling over to other sectors now. So now you're at a point where these bots can be programmed as long as you feed them the right information or enough of the information you want to feed them that they can put together a comprehensive story pretty much eliminating journalists. Sports Illustrated isn't the only magazine that is doing this. Uh, You already have had other companies, news outlets, said that they are going to allow these programs to write some of their stories. Well, journalism is a dying art as it is. I mean, you don't have real journalists anymore. You have people that regurgitate information and you have people that don't go down and track the sources like they used to. It's not real journalism as it used to be. There are some real journalists left, but even journalism itself as an art, as an art form, because it's really kind of what it is, is dying out. This may be the final nail in the coffin. Why pay a journalist, all this money, their travel expenses, them chasing down stories. Why pay them all of that when you could just plug this system in, give it all the information at hand, let it write a pretty interesting article to read, and all you're having is somebody peruse over it to make sure that there's no spelling mistakes, there's no content mistakes, that uh, it's the truth that they want to feed you. What, what do you need the journalist for? 
And be and honestly, where this is going to end up going, you're not even going to need the person checking it pretty soon because they'll have another system on top of that that will check beyond that system. It'll go through a whole check and balance process there. And then ultimately, it'll just be putting out its own stories. So I suspect, whether you're on the right or left, there's about to be a lot of upset journalists that are going to be really hard up for work and you're being put out of work by technology. <laughs> like so many people before you. AI, this is no good. Something I did find funny to add to all this is corporate media is criticizing OpenAI for using their content to train the chatbot GPT. <laughs> CNN, the Wall Street Journal, they're feeding the articles into the chatbot, which will pretty much explain why this system is so woke. But they're feeding all the articles in there so that the system can look at it, analyze it, and learn how people write. Why they're upset is not because it's regurgitating their content. They're upset because they're not being paid for it. <laughs> Ain't that a shame? <laughs> uh, all these people, it's... It's, it's just amusing to watch these people. All of them are all lefties, and we all have this leftist idea, but at the same time, you guys all fight each other, just the same way as you fight us. You guys all fight each other. You would think you guys would all work together on this. You would think that they would say, hey, we're going to use you guys' articles, and we want you to give us everything you've had from the uh, CNN since the beginning. Just give us every article so we can input all of this into the computer so it can learn, and we can input all this, and we're going to pay you X amount of dollars to do that. But no, they just go on the side. It's free news for everybody. And that's the articles they're choosing because they want this um, AI to generate articles that fit the narrative. So they're going to use some of the worst magazines in the world, take their free content, feed it into that machine, and let the machine learn how to write like a lot of these lived uh, crazy liberal leftists. Quite amusing, don't you think? <laughs> you guys aren't getting no money out of this. Oh, what a shame. Now you're going to cry. I'm sure there's going to be some lawsuits. There, there just has to be uh, coming up so they'll all chew each other up and then that'll either slow this thing down a little bit and put a pause on it for a second or you know, a judge will say, you know what I mean, if it's, if it's free content for everybody to read, you know, it is what it is. And then it's going to get to a point where a lot of these places are going to say, hey, paid subscriptions. Now, if you want to read anything on here anymore, paid subscription. So th this is all going to go in a very negative way for journalists. I mean, I would say lefties are going to be out quicker than the people on the right because I haven't heard of any right-leaning corporation that's introduced or even saying that they're going to introduce or thinking about introducing this. They're still using real journalists that are going to run out there and chase down the stories, which I applaud them for. That's what we should be doing. We don't need AI to do any of that for us. But this is one of the first... We've already had the first steps. I don't want to say that. This is the next step to integrate artificial intelligence into our day-to-day -day life. If you look at the way that they're doing things, we've had up to this point basic AI systems already presented to us that people use without even thinking about it. And now this is just the next step openly to say, hey, this is AI this thing interacts with you, and this is how they're going to start integrating this crap into society, which to me, we're just setting ourselves down a dangerous path. I mean, I don't, I don't see what this will ultimately be is, let's say Google, you ask it a question, 
it's going to give you the answer, but it's going to give you a biased answer. So if we're going to start replacing all information with this, they're really going to win in this war, this information war that we're in right now, where you will only, children will only, because this is their world. The technology that exists, that's what they grow up with. That's what they're going to use. This will be normal to them. And what they're being fed will be a particular ideology, a particular way of thinking. And that's going to ultimately be a problem in the future. All right. So this is the way of starting it out. We're the test subjects. We're the, we're the test dummies, crash test dummies. And they're going to put it out there. But the young kids coming up, that parents that don't pay attention, look how many people don't pay attention to politics or anything else going on around them, they're going to allow their kids to use these things. And when a kid asks something like, was Abraham Lincoln a Republican or a Democrat? Well, you know, they they may give him some long-winded answer without answering the question, making him appear to be a Democrat, even though we all know that he's a Republican. But instead of getting a direct answer and a truthful answer, you're going to get whatever they want that child to hear at the time ultimately indoctrinating them and uh, having them believe what they want them to believe. Danger stuff, this AI. I'm not with it at all. I don't don't care for it. Uh, And the day that all this stuff gets to a point where it's almost a must in the house, like you just can't own technology that it's not already part of, is the day that uh, I'm going back to a rotary phone. (laughs) pump outside the house, a well pump outside the house. I'm going to eliminate all technology from me because I'm not going to be part of this world. It'll be hard not to live in it, but at the same time, I'll be mu- it'll be much more peaceful for me because I'm not going to live in it. And I'm not going to give them any insight into my life and the way I think. I'm not going to be manipulated and be led to think the way they want me to think. Well, if you like what you're hearing, please write and review me because I'm at the end here. Uh, if you'd like to uh, contact me, littlejoecc.com, go to the contact section. Beyond that, I hope you have a beautiful Thursday, and we will do it again tomorrow.